0: I'm always getting asked, what should I do with my engagement ring? Well, I finally have the answer sell it with Worthy. I'm partnering with Worthy so you can turn your wedding jewelry into cash fast and risk-free. Worthy is great because their competitive auctions ensure you get the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on by selling with Worthy. If you're ready to move on from your ring, visit worthy.com slash moms to get an extra hundred dollars when your jewelry sells for over 1,500. That's worthy.com slash moms when you're ready to move on. As a strong, independent mother, there is nothing that will get in the way of your child's safety. Soberlink understands the importance of peace of mind when it comes to co-parenting after a divorce. Using the highest quality technology and with features like facial recognition and real-time results, moms like you are empowered with proof that your child is safe. Navigating life post-divorce can be difficult and having a tool like Soberlink allows for one less thing to stress about. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create the resource Five Ways to Reduce Litigation in Custody Cases. To access the guide and get $50 off your Soberlink device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash MMO.
1: This week on Moms Moving On. You know, silent divorce refers to a practice where there's a conscious awareness of ongoing marital malaise coupled with a sense of apprehension in pursuing separation or divorce. We may tell ourselves, let's stay together for the sake of the kids, or I don't want to be another statistic, or you know, I can last for X number of years before my kids go to college and then. And
0: live my life life moves on so why shouldn't we this is Michelle dempsey Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On navigating divorce co-parenting single motherhood and moving on Welcome to the first episode of the year 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. I am so happy you're here with me. This happens to be Divorce Monday. Yes, there is such a thing. More people will reach out to divorce professionals, lawyers, about the possibility of divorcing today than any other day of the year. Thankfully, we have somebody really great with us today on the podcast. His name is Dr. Josh Murmelli, a licensed psychologist who has been working in the field of mental health and addiction for 15 years. People love him for his tell it like it is, no nonsense approach. And he is as witty and as real as he is intelligent. Dr. Josh Murmelli, thank you so much for being here today
1: michelle it is such an honor thank you for having me that intro i'm going to record it and play it back to myself every time i'm having a low self-esteem day
0: wait i can i can send you like um like a voice note and you can just like every morning make make Fabulous. it your wake-up call all right done Fabulous. that's a done deal done. so t- done. tell us a little Easy. bit about you former miami well, turned la boy
1: Oh my goodness, framing me as the traitor already. Um, I'm born and raised in Miami. I've lived in Los Angeles for the last decade. And I'm a licensed psychologist, as you mentioned. I have a private practice in Beverly Hills, and I really specialize in working with people who are at a place in their lives where they are so tired of sitting in psychotherapy sessions and not getting results and outcome. I am not the type of therapist who's going to sit across from you and nod my head exclusively because I don't think that that's what people want. We're in a world right now where our symptoms are larger and louder than they've ever been before. And we need to be heard, validated, and spoken to at a different level than what our symptoms will sometimes allow.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. And yes, we are in a space right now where we're actively calling out our own feelings right so like we're coming to our therapist saying this is what my trauma was this is how it's affecting right. me let's unpack this together and i mean i could never have a therapist who just sat there and nodded like i need no. actionable but, like yes yeah. that's what my husband is for sit there and
1: nod, no, please my therapist <laughs> better be active right is
0: your but is she your was, husband a therapist yeah.
1: He's he would he's not by profession. Um, he's actually <laughs> a dentist, um, but he's learned a lot in terms of the, the role of pseudo therapist. Okay, but we do and appreciate he, he the job. dentists
0: who just nod and don't try and have conversations with you when they're. You know that uh, is correct. Yes, up okay. in your grill,
1: give me a break. All up yes. in your grill.
0: I was going to say all up in your mouth, but it sounded dirty, so I'm.
1: Okay, it makes it more, you know, professional. I guess. Yeah, elegant. Um, <laughs> yes.
0: But you actually brought this idea of, you know, people are talking about silent quitting. Post-pandemic, people are just fed up and they're silent quitting their jobs. Today on Divorce yes. Monday, you brought up this great um, topic idea of talking about silent divorce. And this is something I actually yes. had never heard of. And I'm really excited we're like bringing this out into the world because... Let's talk about it. I feel like it's very fitting for so many of our listeners, especially if they're listening today.
1: Yes. Well, thank you again for having me on the show. And I agree with you. We're in this era where very important actions that merit outward expression tend to be suppressed and silenced because of internalized and also societal messaging and shame. You know, silent divorce refers to a practice where there's a conscious awareness of ongoing marital malaise, coupled with a sense of apprehension in pursuing separation or divorce. We may tell ourselves, let's stay together for the sake of the kids. or I don't want to be another statistic, or, you know, I can last for X number of years before my kids go to college and then live my life. But what starts to happen is that we silence a part of ourselves and we learn to really, oh yeah, it's big time. And that is never a productive recipe for relational success or for living. It's also the worst message we can send to our children. I'm suffering for your sake. What a burden.
0: Yep. It's, and I think that's where people get the whole messaging of like staying together is better for the kids where they get that so wrong because I have never met an adult whose parents stayed together on behalf of them who hasn't said, I wish my parents would have just split up when I was young. They were so miserable.
1: Yes, 100%. We're also employing our children with the role of playing the cupid of convention, right? Oh. We're assigning them a set of responsibilities that ought never belong to a child.
0: Wow, that hit really hard. Yeah. Say, so, the, the the cupid, what is that? What are they? The
1: The cupid of convention, Holy right? The cupid shit. of what's customary and while we think it may be in service of creating structure and predictability for our children it produces a tremendous degree of resentment within Mm -hmm. the family system because the role we're assigning to our kids they're not knowing of that role and it's against their will and look staying together for the sake of the kids is very different from hey We're in this many years, we have a family together. Let's see if we can work through this through conscious action and change. That that I think has its role.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's always, I mean, when people come to me who are not yet divorced and they say, I want you to help me decide if I should get divorced. I say to them, never gonna be my choice, but I will tell you that if you don't make a conscious effort and try everything you can to change yourself, to reawaken the marriage, you're never going to be able to lay your head down at night, like without feeling no. guilty. So that's, yes, there is something to be said for trying. You do have to try. Absolutely. Um, but, but you know, Absolutely. we need to figure out how do we differentiate between sticking it out? Or it's yeah. just this marriage is broken beyond repair and, and it can't happen
1: yeah that's a fabulous source of differentiation because one of the things that we'll need in order to give a relationship its best shot and really attempt to revise old patterns of behavior is a sense of consciousness and presence so we've got to remain connected or regain connection to ourselves first Otherwise, we're just sticking it out in this disruptive bond that we'd Mm -hmm. be best served in relinquishing. So, look, one of the ways that I, I really encourage couples to determine whether or not the marriage deserves effort and whether they're willing to provide that effort to the relationship is to assess what the motivation is. Is the motivation from the standpoint of structure, safety, containment, predictability, um, sort of acceptance from family or society? Or is the motivation rooted from a place of I want this to work because I believe in us and I'm capable and my partner is capable and willing of evidencing real substantive change? So we've got to start from that framework.
0: Those are heavy hitting questions. And in, in my experience, I believe there is usually one person who is willing to do all of the things to, to force yes. a change, to make it work. And then there's the person who isn't. So what do you do in that case? Correct. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, look, one of the things I'll do when I first meet a couple is I'll hand them a little piece of paper each. They get very nervous at this part. And I say, I want for you to write down from zero to 100, what percentage... you believes in the survival of this marriage or relationship and i typically won't share the numbers you know i'll get the pieces of paper but what i look for is how much divergence differentiation is there in the you know are, are in those numbers if one partner says 20% of me feels committed to and believes in the viability of this relationship. And the other partner says 80% of me is bought in. That's a real problem. And we would have to create some level of equity in willingness and motivation. It doesn't mean that if it starts off that way that we're doomed, but over time, I really look to find a space of harmony and a parallel degree of investment. You know, it doesn't have to be 50-50, but it does need to be commensurate in terms of contribution and effort.
0: So how do you get to that? I mean, I, you know, uh, most people will say to me, I'm trying, my spouse doesn't seem to want it. Can you force it? I I believe mm-hmm. if you have to force anything, it's a no for right. me, but, but what do you say to right. that?
1: Look, what I would say to that is, let's establish some real concrete steps to take to determine in a period of time whether we can get back into the room of relinquishing this relationship. Some of those steps would include creating a safe space for intimacy and intimacy expression, really reframing what conflict looks like. Often I hear couples at the brink of divorce say, we haven't fought in years. When I hear a couple who doesn't engage in conflict, that suggests to me that there's not a level of vulnerability and depth to the relationship yeah. because conflict and conflict resolution are the building blocks to intimacy. So, in some ways, I want the couple to start fighting, right? But productively, <laughs> right? I should say. Yeah.
0: So I, here's a question I get a lot that I obviously don't know how to answer. What what percentage of couples who come to you in distress end up uncoupling?
1: Mm-hmm. It's a fabulous question. I think it's a skewed statistic only because if a couple is coming to my office and I've determined that they are both seemingly open and willing, otherwise, it would be unethical for me to work with them if one partner feels forced. That wouldn't be a responsible professional right. relationship. But if I determine that they're really invested, automatically that puts the couple in the camp of much greater likelihood to repair. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee at all. But if there's genuine willingness and investment, I think it really positions couples to feel as though there's symbolic resolution at least, which is an okay place to start. I would say amongst the couples I see, probably 60 to 70% tend to find some path of reparation. Now, granted, it's... Again, a skewed statistic because they tend to stop coming when things have right. resolved. And then you're like, and hello. Then you're I'm still like, together? hello, what's going on here? Yeah. That's right. So I don't tend to see the, the outcome longer term, but couples who really are in this for the long run and who are committed to making it work and for good reason tend to remain in therapy beyond symptom resolution. They see it as a channel for genuine connection and dialogue.
0: Well, and that's why it's worth the effort. That's why I always say it. But yes. back to, you know, when deciding whether you are going to push forth because you really believe in this relationship or you're doing it to avoid the ugliness of divorce and the stigma and what people might say of of those two camps, like where do people tend to fall? Mm-hmm. Are most people just scared?
1: I think most people who throw the notion of divorce into the mix or separation into the mix over time, especially in my you know, the, the space of professional psychotherapy, tend to genuinely perceive that as being a viable option, even though it may be scary they tend to be willing to consider that as an outcome. And I think it's irresponsible to not consider divorce as a possibility. Mm. I think in our culture, there's a real taboo tone to divorce. You know, it can't be another statistic. I think we're looking at the wrong statistic. It's not what percentage of couples in divorce. It's what percentage of couples over sustained time are fulfilling their needs and meeting their partners where they're at. That's a very different statistic to look at. But I would say most people who sit in my office over time tend to be invested in repair for the right reasons. Otherwise, they just won't withstand or have the bandwidth for the complexities and challenges that arise.
0: They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, real life advice on conquering divorce, co-parenting through conflict, and becoming your best self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, You'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. Class is in session and it is time for you to master your divorce. I am Michelle Dempsey-Multak, the creator of Moving On School, and I want to welcome you to Moving On 101, the one and only class you'll need in order to master the concepts of getting divorced and co-parenting your children so that you can truly move on. In this eight-week program, we'll meet week by week to help you move past each phase and first of the divorce and co-parenting process so that you can move on in an empowered way while making the best decisions for your children. Visit www.momsmovingon.com to apply for our next semester of Moving On School coming in January. Okay. So I want to go back to self abandonment for a second. Many women, because I work with women will say, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know why I'm still Mm. here or whether I need to be here. I don't even know who I am anymore. So how, if, if a woman is listening to this, who is feeling like that, and just doesn't know whether to stay or to go at this point, how do you, how do you spot that self abandonment in someone? How can you see it in yourself?
1: Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous question. So two points that I would pose. The first question really towards self is, for what reason am I making this decision? Or am I approaching The decision of should I stay or should I go? Is it coming from the standpoint of avoiding negative emotions? Is it coming from the perspective of genuinely being at a place of willingness to make real change? The second question is, if I were the only person on earth, would I still maintain this marriage? In other words, how much of one's decision making is rooted in the societal pressures and expectations, this kind of limelight effect. I don't yeah. want couples staying together to avoid judgments or to avoid the perception that they've, quote unquote, failed, failed. At this marriage. I mean, give me a break.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, I just, I just was recording with another fabulous person um, who recorded a TED Talk on the beautiful, hard road of co-parenting. And he said, why are we looking Mm -hmm. at marriages that end as a failure? Like Mm -hmm. that's so unfair when maybe in that short time, it was a success until it wasn't, you know, and, and that whole notion of failure scares so many people because we've become this society that's like, win, 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 stick it out, be, be in pain to prove yourself. Correct.
1: Correct. And Michelle, what that's led to is couples remaining married, but divorcing symbolically. And what that looks like is being entirely emotionally shut off, self abandonment, disconnecting from need fulfillment, resenting their children, resenting their partner. Workaholism is, you know, abound. There's so many ways that we can divorce while remaining married in structure. And I don't want couples doing that. That is not a way to live.
0: Well, I'm sure you hear it in every first session. I feel like we're living two separate lives. We're in two separate rooms. We're just like two ships passing in the night. That happens. Even in good marriages.
1: Yes. And I think you're on point. And what I'd say to that is the pressure of let's remain connected no matter what tends to be a producer of disconnection and a producer of division within the marriage. We shouldn't be together no matter what. Love ought to be conditional in a marriage. The extent with which we're motivated to remain in the marriage should not be rooted in this unconditionality. The basis for staying together is conditional and trust, respect, genuine change and investment are the necessary ingredients.
0: Oh my God, that is so good. I mean, they should probably just rewrite like those old school marriage vows now, shouldn't they?
1: Please. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Till death
0: do you part or until break of trust do you part that's right? exactly right
1: like till these... till division from self right till Ooh. division from each other
0: oh my God yes yes mm-hmm. wow that's huge okay so there are so many people listening to this that are contemplating their next steps what would you say to the listener who is just so confused at this point doesn't know which end is up
1: yeah it's it's a really pivotal moment for all those listening and saying what the heck do i do what is my next move one of the things i'd say is to really focus on trusting one's instincts and intuition what that looks like is engaging in a practice of honoring our feelings all of them The negative ones, the positive ones, the comfortable ones, the convenient ones, the shitty ones, honoring them. It doesn't mean that we're falling victim to honor the uh, sort of tone of every feeling, but it does mean allowing the feelings as they emerge the space to be felt. So that is first and foremost. I would also say the emphasis ought to be shifted from what do I do to how can I feel Mm. about what's happening right now in a manner that feels earnest and also not terribly threatening, right? Maybe it's scary and unnerving, but let's find a way to really normalize and value those feelings. If it's not taking place in the marriage, let's find respite in other supports, psychotherapy, church, synagogue, wherever the resources of community lie, that is where I encourage folks to really access that sense of deeper knowing.
0: I love that. That is such great advice. You are doing such good work. I think Thank you're you great. so much. I feel the same about
1: you. I think you're great.
0: I think you're great. Oh, this is so nice. Well, you should come back to mean, Miami. We can just do
1: this back and forth. I, you know what? It may happen. Let me tell you. The humidity is apparently good for anti-aging. So that in and of <laughs> itself may sell me. Yeah. Uh, you know, why did you move back? I'm vain. I mean, right. let me tell you.
0: Listen, I mean, there's plenty of... LA people and New York people here enough to drive me nuts. It took me an hour to drive a mile and back yesterday. So you just add to the pile. Especially Arba. Bo- that's right, our basel, The holidays, all of
1: it contributed.
0: If you would have told me, Josh, fifteen years ago, that I would be living in Miami as a divorcee, remarried a divorcee, co-parenting, stepmom, all of it, I would have told you you're crazy. I'm never getting married. I was so damaged by my own parents' divorce that I just thought it's not in the cards for me. And yet here we are. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you feel like divorce is the next step and it's all just going to stop there and be downhill, you are so wrong. And do not sell yourself short on what the future could mean for you.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that really applies to how we define divorce. Separating from our partner, whether temporarily or permanently, does not mean a divorcing of self. In fact, it can represent the beginning page to an entire new chapter of self-reflection and love.
0: Yes, I have chills, actual chills on my body. That is beautiful. I, I do too. It happens to be 61
1: degrees in here, which may be partly responsible. Thank you.
0: That's criminal. Why is your air conditioning so cold?
1: The, the, the heat is having a little bit of issues here in okay. my office today. Yeah, okay. but that's okay. I'm, I'm prepared for all it. Right. I'm wearing a sweater. All
0: right, now I'm worried for you. But anyway, um, okay. we digress. Back to the issue at hand. That is That is really a beautiful place to end. It's all about a perspective shift and some really... Mm deep introspection, reflection, self-awareness, all of that will give you the answers and really set you on the best next path, I believe. Dr. Josh Murmelli, it was so great having you here with us today. Where can everybody find you if they wanna learn more about you, talk to you, pick your brain, work with you? It has been
1: such a pleasure. The best way to get in touch with me is on my website, therapywithdrjosh.com. That's therapywithdrjosh.com. You're also welcome to visit my social media channel, which is Therapy with Dr. Josh on Instagram and Facebook. And it has really been such an honor having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for the beautiful work that you do.
0: And you as well. And I will link everything. And I'm so excited about your Instagram. The more outlets that are centered around therapy and And mental health and mental well-being, the better I think we all are these days. So I love that you've put that out there in that way. And for those of you listening, you know where to find us if you need us. If you need to pick our brains, you want to work with one of our Moving On Method-trained coaches, just give us an email, info at movingon.com, and we will see you next time on Moms Moving On. So you wanna be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms, and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my Moving On Method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, Certified Divorce and Co-Parenting Specialist, and I founded the Moving On Method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process along with how to make your practice successful. Visit MomsMovingOn.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On.